Welcome to Rome Christian Center. We are so glad that you are with us here today. If you are local to the Rome, New York area, we would like to invite you to join us 10 a.m. and again at 6 p.m. on Sundays. We are located at 7985 Turin Road in Rome, New York. Let's join the service as we believe God has something in store for you today. Something I was worried about, stressed about, and I knew it was wrong because Jesus said very clearly in Matthew chapter 6, not to worry. Worry is a sin. It's a disobedience to God. So, well, everybody worries. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life. And then he goes on to list some things that we could worry about, like food and drink, what we will put on, the natural affairs of our lives, the practical things that we're dealing with. That's what God's putting his finger on there. He's saying, I don't want you to worry about those things. He didn't say, I don't want you to steward those things or have a spirit of excellence regarding those things. But I don't want you to worry about those things because you can't serve two masters. You're either going to serve them or you're going to serve me. So I realized that worrying about this situation was in disobedience to God. And I said, you know what? I, I'm just going to pray about this. I got to do it. So I was driving home and I, I just began to pray to God about this situation that I was, that was bothering me. And I, I heard God in my spirit. I'll tell you, it really builds faith when you, when you feel like you have God's, that impression within you. And I felt as though God said, I, I knew about this situation, by the way. I knew it was coming. I knew it was going to happen because all of your days were written in my book before there was one. And he wanted, and and I knew that it would it pleased God. I, I just felt that it pleased God. That I brought it to him, and I remembered the word of God in Philippians chapter four. And I remembered. Do you know that God is not just a don't do this God. God's a do this, don't do that. God always gives us, I don't want to say always, but God gives us replacement. Be anxious for nothing, Philippians 4, 6, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And I just started to see some scales in my life and I I just began to see as my level of anxiety rises, my level of prayer decreases. As my level of prayer increases, the level of anxiety decreases, that there's a direct correspondence between the two. And that the minute we open up and bring something to God and we say, Lord, here, we begin to pray about it. When we bring it to God and we say, Lord, I'm going to obey your word it immediately cuts the head off of that thing because now God's involved. It's submitted to God. We're submitted to God. His promises become activated. 
My level of peace rises with the amount of prayer. But as, as, I, as the connectivity with God and his word decreases, my level of peace decreases. There's a direct correspondence between the two. So I brought it to the Lord. And he said, yeah, I knew that was coming. And I've already made provision. Amen. That built faith in my spirit. I, want, I just wanted to share that uh, in introduction. I want to talk tonight just for a few minutes about making a place for God's word in our hearts. Go with me to John chapter 8 in verse 37. Jesus was getting into it with the Pharisees again. They had a hard time with his theology. And Jesus said to the Jews who believed in him, and I believe God will weave this together here. If you abide in my word, John, I'm going to start in verse 31 to get the context. John 8, 31. Jesus said to the Jews who believed him, if you will abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Our level of freedom, the level of victory and freedom that we're experiencing in our life is in direct correspondence to the level that we're abiding in God's word. He says, the more that you live and hear what I'm saying, I just begin to see recently, you know, you go on about your life and we're doing our best to steward what God's given us and to take care of the affairs of this life. And next thing you know, we just find ourselves frustrated and annoyed and angry. And I just begin to see that, that what God says about Anything in my life can sometimes just slip from my consciousness. It can just drift. I know what it says, but it's not at the forefront of my consciousness. It's not working. It's not activated. So Jesus said, I want you to be my disciples, and in order to be my disciples, you have to abide. You've got to stay there. To abide means to settle down and take up residence. Literally. This is where I live in the Word of God. And they answered, they said, We're Abraham's descendants. We've never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you, you will be made free? So they were equating ancestry and pedigree to their relationship with God. And Jesus says, Sorry, guys, you don't get status with God because of your bloodline. And he said, most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is slave to sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you'll be free indeed. And it's in this context that he says, look, guys, verse 37, I know that you're Abraham's descendants, but you're seeking to kill me because my word has no place in you. The New Living Translation says, you seek to kill me because there's no room in your hearts for my message. So just a short exhortation tonight. We have to make a place for God's word in our hearts. We have to tend to it and care for it. Solomon said in Proverbs 4, attend to my word. 
Heard Norval Hayes say one time, just like you'd attend to your children. Attend to it. Give it your attention. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. How could we keep something? How could we lose it? I know what it says. But he says, I want you to keep it active in your heart. God told Joshua this way. He says, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. I want you to meditate therein day and night. And then you will make your way successful. You say, well, does that mean I read the Bible all day? No. No. This doesn't do very good here. He's saying, listen, the truth of my word, I want you to get it into your heart. That's where it belongs. That's where it's designed to work. That's the environment or the conditions by which its power is released. It's kind of like a seed. It's useless on the shelf, is it not? Come on, put it in some soil, water it, and you see what that seed can do. Keep them in the midst. I want you to meditate on a day and night. And it's very interesting that God gave Joshua. Remember, God is not just a don't do that, God. God says, don't do that, do this. And he says, Joshua, here's how you're going to make your way successful. You're going to meditate on my words, and you're going to keep them in your mouth. That's something active. And when the affairs of life hit us, we've got to get the word of God active. We've got to bring it up and bring it up into here. Meditation is actually uh, a form of speaking. We're not talking Eastern meditation here. Biblical meditation is repeating to ourselves what God's word says. No, no, I'm not going. No, God's word says this. And the anxiety goes down like this. But in that moment, it's so difficult to break that discouragement. We just want to feel sorry for ourselves. And, oh, I just feel that this is going on. Guys, the minute you bring my word up and you make a place for it in your life, it will break the head off of what's going on and you begin to rejoice. Meditate on it. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. This word, he said to Joshua, I don't want it to get out of your mouth. He didn't say, I don't want the scroll to leave your bedside table. He said, I don't want it to leave your mouth. This is supposed to get in here. The word was made flesh, John chapter 1. So what place does God's word have in our lives? Is there room for it? How much does it occupy in our thinking? I believe God could potentially give us a percentage. I think it might scare us if he did. But we've got we've to bring the percentage up. I was bellyaching um, one time to Pastor Ned about uh, somebody. And he said, Darren, you're getting frustrated about that person. That, you have to understand, they don't think scripturally. God wants us to think scripturally. God wants our worldview, and the way we see and understand things to be based on the Bible. You know that they've, done, they've been doing some studies. Barnum's research has been doing some studies recently about evangelical Christians in America. And they, they've come up with some scary figures. Um, I believe it's, it's near 50 or a little over of predominantly evangelical churches that don't have a biblical worldview. 
In other words, what the Bible says doesn't affect how they see the world, but they're in church on Sunday morning. That's not how God designed it. Jesus said, you'll know the truth, (laughs) and the truth will make you free. He said, my word is truth. He said, I am the truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the word of God manifested. What's true about God was given to the son to say to the world. He gave it first to his disciples, the people that were with him. This is not philosophy. This is not, oh, well, that's interpretation. No, 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 hold on a second. These are eyewitnesses communicating what they saw and what Jesus said to them. That kind of settles it, doesn't it? When someone says, well, well, don't forget about the cultural murals of society and things like that. Hold on a second. These are eyewitnesses communicating what Jesus said. Let's simplify it. He's either telling the truth or he's not. But he said, if you'll receive my words as truth, if you'll make a place for them in your life, it's going to work. And this is the way it's designed to work. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, in verse 13, talking to the Thessalonian church, the Macedonians, who, by the way, were dealing with great persecution. This was a very difficult place to, to live and be a Christian. Paul said, for this reason, we thank God without ceasing because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. So the success that the Macedonian church had immediately was that they received the words of Paul not simply as the words of a philosopher or some religious guy, but they received the words from his mouth as they were in truth, the word of God. They made a place for God's word in their heart. The widow um, in Elisha's day in 2 Kings made a room for Elisha off to the side of the home. She went to her husband and she said, honey, this man is a prophet. He's got the words of God in his mouth. We have to make room for him in our life so that we can receive what God is saying to us. I had a visual in my mind. Uh, we, We went and see Pastor Greg before he passed in Long Island. And his son, Jason, they actually, they bought the house from Greg. It was Greg and Hades. But they put a kind of a dormer above the garage. And Greg and Hades were living there with them. And there was a door between the regular home and the new residence. And they would come and go. I'm, I'll never forget, they opened the door. The dog preferred Greg to the, to the family. And the dog came running in for, to look for him. The grandchildren were in and out. There was an access point It was close. It was kind of like those hotel rooms that have the door between the two rooms, you know, when you need two rooms. It's like that. It's like we're in separate rooms, but this is the same. And God says, I want my word to have a close proximity in your heart. I I want there to be room for it. I was thinking about my own kids in my own home. And how I've been mourning as of late that my words don't have what I call all-star status anymore. 
I, I'm not conf- believing that. I, my, I, my, I, don't, I want you to understand me now. You say, well, come on, Darren. You know, kids get old. You have to live with it. I will. But there's a little mourning in my heart that my, when my boys were children, when, when they heard my voice, it was, they just so readily accepted what I was saying and didn't question it at all. And, oh, what daddy says that? Yo, it must be true. Now I got to kind of come in a little bit around the side, you know, because they, why? Because they see my life and they see me, they see my imperfections and, but God's perfect, you see. His word is sure, hallelujah. The Bible says his words are tested, they're perfect. All of his promises are yes and amen to the glory of God through us. His word is sure, All of his testimonies, they're sure. All of his judgments, they're sure. You can count on them. Amen. And God says, don't let my word lose all-star status in your heart. Receive them continually with a childlike spirit, with a learning spirit, with a humble spirit. Isaiah 66 says, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Where is the place of my rest? Where is the house that you will build for me? And God says, I wish to dwell with those of a broken and contrite spirit. God's word is welcome and at home in a heart that's teachable that's childlike, that's humble. You ever talk to somebody that doesn't listen while you're talking? They're hearing you, but they're just waiting until it's time for them to talk. God says, don't be like that. Don't be like that. See, this was the problem that the Pharisees had with Jesus. They had already made up their mind about him and what they thought about him. The second problem that they had was, remember Jesus says, my words have no place in you, and I didn't go to verse 38, forgive me, I speak what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have seen with your father. So he says, listen, the fact that you want to kill me is because of a voice that's in your spirit that's guiding your actions and your words. How many have habits or behaviors that, they, that we want to potentially change in our lives? God said, if that's you, get my word and get it in your heart. Make a place for it. It'll produce. And Jesus says, what you're producing right now, talking to the Pharisees that want to kill him, is hatred. You want to kill me. Why? Because that's what's in your heart. He says, you do what you've seen with your father, the devil. There is a spirit that is speaking to their heart. There's a presence in the heart that speaks to their actions. Jesus said, my father is speaking to me. And he's speaking to me and teaching me to do good on the earth. So we have to look at the voice, listen to the the right voice. How do we do that? 
by making place for God's word in our hearts. Finally, I just want to talk about Rahab the harlot because she's such a perfect metaphor for the home and the lodging of God's word in our hearts. If you want to go with me to Joshua chapter 2, I'll go ahead and spoil the symbolism and the metaphor here for you. If you go with me to Joshua chapter 2, Rahab's home, which was in the wall of Jericho, by the way, represents our hearts. How many of you know the story? Joshua sent two messengers, two spies, to go spy out Jericho. Those two spies ended up in the home of Rahab the harlot. Again, the two messengers, the spies, represent God's word, God's message to us. Rahab's home represents the human heart. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, sent out two men from Acacia Grove to spy secretly, saying, go view the land, especially Jericho. So they went and they came to the house of a harlot named Rahab, and they lodged there. I'd like to point out that this is a place of receptivity. God's word will go into the darkest places and shine light. It's no coincidence that Rahab was a woman in the lower echelon of society, someone that was humbled by life's circumstances, someone who's made poor choices and knows it. She didn't have the educational barriers to overcome, the pride, the social status. This was a place where God's word was welcome. This is a place where God's word was received with gladness. This is the soil. If you might feel like, well, how can God make changes in my life? How can he turn my life around? How can it be transformed? Maybe you feel like you've gone too far, like you're not a good enough person by the world's standards. God says you're just the person I'm looking for because I take the weak things the foolish things, the things that are not. And I come and I make something beautiful out of them, something new. So God reminds us by coming to a harlot's home in this story that he takes great pleasure in taking the broken places and putting them back together again, raising them up, the low places. He takes pleasure in the shameful places, in the hopeless places, because he has compassion upon us. And God says, I only ask one thing. I want you to believe what I've done. And that's what Rahab did. She said, I know. Verse 9. I'm jumping ahead here. I know that the Lord has given you the land and that your terror has fallen upon us. For we heard how the Lord dried up the Red Sea when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the Amorites and so on and so forth. She believed the report of who God was and what he was doing for his children, the children of Israel. She heard the word of God concerning these people and she believed it in her heart to the point where she was able to say, I know, that's faith. How's that faith? Faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. God says, have you heard about my son? 
how I sent him to die for you, how my love for you was so great that I was willing to have him come. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and both you and your descendants shall be saved. This was a woman of faith. And notice, just for the visual, in the Old Testament, the visuals help us with the truths of the new. Notice how she took them in to her home. They were welcomed there. She made a place for them there. They were honored there. I know who you are. I believe the report. And a word of caution to those who find themselves fine. I'm fine. I don't need your Christ, your religion. I have my own set of moral principles that I have defined, and I'm fine. I'm a good person. I don't need salvation. I'm going to make it just fine. The terror of the Israelites that were coming upon Jericho to wipe out that city weren't just coming to Rahab's home. It was coming to all the city. And she was only going to live because remember the covenant that they made with her. They said, listen, if you or any of your descendants, and basically, I'm sorry, I didn't give the context. Basically, the deal they made was, if you lodge us and you keep this secret about us coming and our business here quiet, we will spare you and your family when we come into Jericho and we wipe out the city. But if you or any of your family members are in the streets, when this happens, we are guiltless of this thing. But what I want you to do is I want you to bring them into your home and I want you to tie a scarlet cord and I want you to let that rope, that red rope, basically hang out the window. I want it bound to your window. You see how serious this is? This is the word of the covenant. She had to bind that rope. God says, I'm bound to my word. It's sure. It'll work. I wouldn't lie to you. And they said, we're not lying to you. If you tie this scarlet cord and it's in your, we will not attack that home. And what is that red cord a picture of? The blood covenant. For we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, you good person. All of us. Some more than others. But we've all become accountable to God for the sin that's in our lives. So this was a serious thing. Our lives for your lives, they said to her. She said, according to your words, so be it. This was a woman that was serious about what God says. You're welcome in my home. You're welcome in this heart. And then notice what the king said immediately, and I'm back to the beginning of the chapter now. And it was told to the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, men have come here tonight from the children of Israel to search out the country. So the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you and entered your home, for they've come to search out the country. Bring them out. Get them out of here. When the word of God is received into our hearts, what does the New Testament teach us? The gospel of Mark chapter 4. The enemy comes immediately to do what? To steal the word. Notice that the king didn't have any problem with these guys traversing the country. 
But once they were brought into Jericho and brought into the house, then they became a problem. And it's not the words on the page that the devil fears. It's the word in your heart that he fears because that's where the power is released. The king said, get him out, get him out, hurry up. But what did she do? And this is for us today. When the king came with that, to get those men out, to get God's word out, the Bible says she hid them in the stalks on the roof. And when the opposition comes to us, and it's going to come, we have to dig it deeper, burrow it down deeper into our hearts. Don't give it up. Don't let it go. Hold on to it and burrow it deeper into our spirits. How? With this. Meditate upon it. Confess it. Hold on to it. Amen. She hid those men. So God just wants to remind us tonight, I believe, that his word has to have a place. A place of prominence in our spirits, in our hearts. So, Lord, let us examine our, ourselves. How much attention are we giving to your word? What sort of place does it have in our hearts and in our spirits? Say, well, I, you know, I know, I know all those promises. But all of the promises of God are yes and amen. <laughs> yes and amen. So the promises are activated when we say yes and amen to the glory of God. So, Lord, I pray that you'd encourage us tonight, Lord, that your words would find a home in our spirits. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for being with us today. Our prayer is that your life be enriched through the power of God's word and that you be filled with his love and strength as you daily serve him. To learn more about our service times and our ministry and how it is that you can partner with us, visit us online today at romechristiancenter.com.